Um, uh, I need to move it down a bit, don't I? How's that? Is that a bit better? Okay. Um, it's great to be here this morning. Um, nice sunny day. Bit cold out there, right? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we just finished our series uh, on uh, the miracles of Jesus uh, from John. Uh, and this morning, uh, I just want to share a little bit, um, really, of my, my overall feelings of, of, of what, what I've, I've been learning as an overview. Uh, when you look at the whole sort of book as a whole, you know, and I just want to share some of those things with you. Um, so, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I really started to think about a little bit was this. Who or what type of person is the type of person that Jesus wants to speak to? What is the type of person that Jesus wants to interact with? And who does Jesus want to bless? Who is it? What attributes? What qualities? <laughs> because sometimes I think we can think, oh, God doesn't want to know me. Oh, I'm not good enough to speak to God. Uh, it's been too long. I've been going in the wrong direction for too long. We can feel like that, can't we? I'm not worthy for Jesus' presence. To enter into the presence of Jesus. We can feel like that sometimes. Uh, so, <clears throat> I thought maybe we could have a look at some of the stories that we've been going through and see what type of people are the ones that Jesus is interested in, that Jesus is after. Okay? Well, the first thing I thought, well, this isn't necessarily from the series, it's just some of the other ones I picked out, but the first thing I thought, well, maybe God is interested in respectable people. Maybe Jesus wants to talk to honest people. They're the ones that he wants to use his time, spend time with, chat with, bless. What about tall people? Not short people. <laughs> what is he talking about? Well, <clears throat> I'll have to take you to a story of a man named Zacchaeus. He wasn't respectable. In fact, nobody respected him. Everybody really did not respect him. Chief tax collector. Fiddled the people out of their money. Dishonest. Short man. Jesus couldn't be interested in him. Not that type of person, right? Wrong. Jesus stops the whole crowd to talk to this one man. He's interested. He wants to bless this guy. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't worked it all out. But certainly his dishonesty wasn't a barrier for Jesus. Am I correct? Okay, so... <clears throat> what about 
People who have got it all together. Those type of people. They're, they're the sort of people that Jesus must want to interact with. The ones who have got their marriage sorted. Who have got good relationships. Good standing. Yeah? Well, we find the woman at the well. Has she got it all sorted? <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> she's had five husbands, and the person she's with at the moment, she's not even married to. And Jesus knew it as well. It wasn't like he just thought, oh, she looks okay, she looks pretty respectable. He knew it, didn't he? And yet, he was interested. In fact, he sent his disciples away for no other reason, I can see, really, than he wanted to chat with this woman. And he wanted to bless her. Um, <clears throat> what about God must want to, I say God, Jesus, he must want to interact and speak with those who are pure of heart. Right? Those who are fit for the job. Those who have showed their competency. They must be the ones that Jesus... No, it's not true, is it? It's not. We look at the man at the pool. The man paralysed. Jobless. Jobless man. Pure of heart? No. Because Jesus comes and finds him later on, after he's healed him, after he's blessed him, and he says, stop sinning, otherwise something worse can happen to you. Jesus knew the sin that was in this man's heart. He wasn't pure of heart. But Jesus loved him. And he wanted so much to interact with him. In fact, he went to that pool, and what? Did he heal everyone at the pool? No, just the one man, just the rotten one. <laughs> All right, what about this? Well, he must, he must want to speak to friendly people. Friendly, compass mentors, got all their marbles. They must be the people that Jesus is interested in. <clears throat> Decent, fully clothed people, right? <laughs> People dressed in the right clothes. They must be the people that Jesus wants to interact with. Not people who abuse themselves. Not people who harm themselves. They, they can't be the people that Jesus is interested in. Well, <clears throat> wait a second, because Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples and he says, go across to this shore. And they go across to that shore, don't they? And they get out of the boat and they find this man, demon-possessed, self-harmer, cuts himself with stones, naked, because no, he rips all his clothes off. No friends. Mad as a hatter. But Jesus has gone there specifically for that one guy. Uh, and how do we know that? Because this is the only guy who Jesus interacts with and deals with and blesses and sets free and speaks to. And then he leaves the area. 
they leave it, get back in the boat, and they go away. So yet we find that Jesus, <clears throat> it seems to be more interested in, the more mashed up you are, the more interested he is in you. <laughs> Amen? Okay. How about this? What if you're a backstabber? What if you're a traitor? <laughs> what if you're a liar? What if you've got ulterior motives? What if you've got anger issues? Jesus wouldn't be interested in, in dealing with you, would he? Oh, yes, he would. Oh, yes, he would. Look at the disciples. There were some in there with anger issues. There were some in there that were backstabbers. There were some in there with ulterior motives. But yet Jesus took them all on, didn't he? He said, come on. Come with me. Uh, and the conclusion that I'm coming to is that there is no amount of mess in your life that will stop Jesus wanting to speak to you. There is no amount of sin that you can uh, have taken into yourself <laughs> that will stop Jesus searching after you and coming after you. No amount. What about this? This is one of my favourite ones. Well, <clears throat> for Jesus to interact to you, you must, to speak to you, you must be able to hear, at least. Alright? You must be able to hear him. And you must be able to, <clears throat> you must be alive. You've got to at least be alive. You've got to have a pulse for Jesus to <laughs> want to bless you, right? <laughs> wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong. You ask Lazarus. You ask the little girl who, um, <coughs> who, who died. You ask them if Jesus was interested. Doesn't matter if you've got a pulse or not. It doesn't. Not for Jesus. He's bigger than all of that. He's bigger than all of your problems. And he loves you. And that's his heart. And this is, this is I just think he's so fantastic, isn't he? He's wonderful. Amen? This is, this is the God we serve. Okay? Now, if Jesus gets on the inside of you, he's going to turn you into that person. He's going to turn you into someone who says, oh, I don't care about the mess that so-and-so's in. I just want to love them. I don't care that my family member just always is horrible to me. I just want to love them. Tough, right? It's a tough road, Jesus walks. But he'll give you the strength to do it through his spirit. Amen? Jesus says this. He says, I've come for those who need a doctor, not for those who are well. And that's what we've got to be about. How about this? This is what Jesus says. And this is sometimes, you know, when you're in a low place or you've just really messed up, Check this verse out. John, John 6, verse 37. All, all those the Father gives me um, will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. That's a promise. That's a solid promise for you. If you come to Jesus, doesn't matter if you come to Jesus when you're five years old, or you have to come to Jesus a million times because you mess up, or you come to Jesus on your deathbed, 
he'll never drive you away. Never, ever. Because that's not him. That's not him. He says, if you read it, he says, me, I haven't come to judge. He says, there is judgment, but not me, I've not come to judge. I won't condemn you. He's come to set you free. That's Jesus. Freedom. Right, well... We can understand this. We can understand that Jesus is calling you to his side. He is calling you. He's calling you out of whatever you're in. He's calling you. No doubt about it. No, maybe he's calling me. Uh, I'm not sure if he is calling. He is calling you. 100%. Whether you're saved, unsaved, in sin, doing really well, in a complete mess, he's calling you. No doubt about it. Um, whether you can hear him, different matter. Whether you're listening, different matter. But he is calling you. And if you turn your ear to him, you will hear his voice saying, come to me. Come to me. Amen? Now this is the thing. This is the next question I want to ask you. What type of person follows Jesus? What qualities are required to follow Jesus? What attributes of character do you need to be a follower? Uh, And the one solid conclusion I can come to is there's nothing that can stop you. (laughs) None of these things. No competency level can stop you. If you're completely incompetent, you can still follow Jesus. If you feel like you've got a really rubbish background, you can still follow Jesus. None of those things get in the way. If you feel like you've got absolutely no gifts and abilities, you can still follow Jesus. It's not impossible. It's not a barrier. Amen? And what we learn, what we learn from from all these miracles of Jesus, that time and time again, Jesus is trying to uh, build our faith, isn't he? He's trying to build our faith by leading us. He leads people on, doesn't he? You know, he he doesn't just do it all for you. Go on to my second page of notes. This is the thing that I'm sort of learning about Jesus is is, he's not like me. Now, when I lead, okay, I have a tendency, uh, and some of you others may um, be able to uh, register with this. I have a tendency to ask people to do things and then say, just give it here, let me do it. I don't know about you. Is that, can, you, can, you, can you associate with that? Just let me do oh, it. Oh, let me do it. And yet we find with Jesus that so often he interacts with these people who are in an absolute mess. These people who are desperate and need something. 
Uh, and he doesn't just say, look, just let me do it. Just stop all your whinging. Just let me deal with it. He tends to lead them on. So they say, oh, can you, can you do this? And he says, okay, well, I want you to do this. We see this consistent pattern, don't we? Uh, and it's something that <clears throat> we need to explore a little bit because um, it, it seems very much like Jesus needs us to do stuff to grow in faith. Okay? And for us to grow in faith, he has to challenge us uh, and get us to step forward into faith. We can't stay back here and grow. We have to step forward and grow. And <clears throat> so many of these stories uh, are fantastic, aren't they? Let's go through a few of them. Now, um, I'm just going to pick out some peculiar attributes of, of these stories. So, um, what, what did we have? Water into wine. We had the water into wine, didn't we? Did we have that story? Yeah, that was part of the series, wasn't it? Was that Simon shared that? Water into wine. I was away that week. <laughs> but what did Jesus do? They said, Jesus, Jesus, we need you to sort it out. And Jesus' mother said, look, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Jesus didn't say, right, magic, magic, here's the wine. All done. What did he say? He said to the servants, see those jars? Go and fill them up with water. Now, <clears throat> that miracle would never have happened if the servant said, well, we're not really allowed to fill them up with water. We've got to be serving at the wedding because that's what our boss has told us to do. So I'm sorry, uh, but I can't see how filling up with water is going to get us any more wine. Because that's a logical response, isn't it? To stay where you are and justify whatever you're doing. That's the logical response. Okay? What about this? We had uh, Jesus walking on the water, didn't we? And yet to see this miracle, we had to see a couple of sets of obedience. Didn't we? Now, first thing is Jesus says, you lot, get in the boat and go off. Now, they could have said, well, look, we're tired um, and... It's been a long day. Do you think it might be better that the wind's coming in the wrong direction? It looks like a storm's picking up. Do you think maybe, Jesus, we should not get in the boat? But they said, all right, we'll get in the boat. We will do as you have asked us to do. And they get in the boat. And they get out on the water and everything starts to go wrong. And this is, this is one of my conclusions is when God asks you to do something, you might do it and everything will start to go wrong. <laughs> had that happened? And you think, this is what you think. I bet they were out there on the lake, and one of the disciples was saying, did Jesus actually say we should come out on the boat? I don't know if he did say we should be out here. And we can be like that. God's spoken something to us, and we stepped out in faith, and, oh, it's all messing up. And we can say, I don't know if God really did speak to me. I don't know if this is the will of God. Maybe we should turn the boat round, and we should go back where we came from, where it's safe. But yet God is looking for people who will take what he says and just do it. That's what he's looking for. And yet, 
Peter in the boat, Jesus is walking on the water, uh, and, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. So Peter says, oh, I'm not going to be afraid. If that's you, Jesus, call to me to come to you, and, I'll, and I will. And Jesus says, come on then. And yet, Peter could have said, oh, okay, all right, well, it's good, I trust you now, I'll stay in the boat though. <laughs> but he doesn't, does he? He puts one foot in front of the other, and he steps out. Now, the logical response is what? Stay in the boat. <laughs> That's the logical response. That's the scientific approach. But yet we can say that. Let's be rational about this. Let's have a little think about this before we do this. You ever do that when God speaks to you? Let's just have a little think. It's not going to work, is it? God's not asking you whether it's going to work or not. God's asking you to do it. Is that right? <laughs> because we don't know what his will is. Now, Peter, Peter knew this more than anybody. Because this, isn't for, this wasn't Peter's first rodeo. It wasn't his first time in the boat, was it? He'd been in the boat with Jesus before, and Jesus has said, cast your nets out on the other side. And Peter had been at work all day. He said, come on, chuck me out one more time. Peter gives him the logical response, doesn't he? Peter says, you can't catch fish in the day, Jesus. It's not what you do. We've been at it all night, mate. There's just no fish today. But then he says, because it's you asking, I'll do it. And wow, the boat is full of fish. Fantastic. But if you hadn't put the nets out, there would be nothing. And in your life, if you're not going to step forward into what God is saying to you, there's going to be nothing. It's just going to be the same as what you had yesterday. That's the truth. And what did he have? We had the official son, didn't we? Do you remember that story? The man whose son was sick and he'd come all the way. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, go. He's healed, go. You don't need me to come. You just go. And, the man, and it says, the man took him at his word. And what we've got to do is we've got to take God at his word. It's hard to do. Because everything in your sinful nature will kick against it. And everything in your spirit will help you to get, keep going. This is my conclusion. God isn't looking for gifted people. He's not. If you've got gifts, great. Or, you know, do something with them. But he doesn't, he doesn't want you because you're gifts. He gave you those gifts. They're his gifts. <laughs> he wants you for you. He isn't just looking for people who've got leadership skills. He's got leadership skills. Don't worry about it. <laughs> He's not looking for people all sorted. In fact, he loves using people in a mess. 
That's the truth. In fact, I love Peter. Peter's fantastic, isn't he? One time, one time Jesus gets very irate with him. Is when Jesus says, this is my path. I've got to die. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Uh, So Peter is saying, no, no, no. Jesus, what we've got to do is we've got to rise up. You've got to go to Jerusalem. You've got to... You've got, you've got, and, and, and what you can hear in, in, in Peter's voice, in Peter's heart, not in the words he's saying, but in his heart he's saying, no, no, Jesus, you've got to do what I think. And Jesus said, what did he say? Get behind me, Satan. Not, not nice words. <laughs> but... This is my conclusion. Don't worry about anything except this. Be obedient. That's it. Any other aspects of your character is irrelevant except that one thing. It's the one thing. Be obedient. The disciples, they really struggled with this and they started to get hold of it, and they wanted to always understand things, uh, and yet Jesus just led them on step by step. Didn't give them the whole story step by step. And they got the hang of it, and they got going, and you will too, and I will too. How about that other man, rich man? He came to Jesus, and he said, I've always kept all the commandments. I've done the right things. He's from a good family. <laughs> Got everything sorted. He basically said, look, I haven't really messed up in my whole life. I've pretty much... I, I'm the man. That's what he's basically said. Maybe he was right. Maybe he'd done kept the commandments. Maybe he was a good man. He had probably a good house. He was rich. We know this. Came from a good background. But what we find out is none of that matters at all. Because when he gets into the presence of Jesus and he said, What must I do? And Jesus says, Sell all your stuff, come and follow me. And he says, The man walked away. Walked away. We don't know if he sold all his stuff and came back. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know if he walked away and carried on doing what he was doing. We don't know. But what we do know is that some of these people in the Bible, what they had in their hearts is what we've got in our hearts. And this whole sense of walking away, how many times you walked away? How many times has God spoke to you and said, oh, come on. And you felt that. And you said, oh, oh I can't respond. <laughs> oh, I can't respond today. Oh, maybe I'll chat to them next time. I'm too busy. I'm too busy to pray right now. But yet God is speaking to you. And this is the thing that we need to, to figure out. We need to learn and understand 
what God is saying to us. One, and then point two, we need to do it. We need to do it. Don't worry about all the rest. Don't worry about the consequences. How about that? And your faith will go like that. And next time it'll be easy to do what God says. <laughs> do you find that? When you start listening to God, you start hearing him. You start listening to God and you do what he says and you start hearing him more and more. Uh, and you, you stop doing what God says uh, uh, and his voice starts to get more dull, more dull. I'm not going to delve massively into how to hear the voice of God because really <clears throat> that's a big subject. And uh, I think we'd love to share more on that with the church in the future. Because the Holy Spirit is absolutely fantastic. And it's real. And uh, he's the one that will guide you. He's the one that prompts your heart. He's the one that points you at Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit's fantastic. But God will speak to people who aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll speak to anyone who will turn their ear towards him. Okay? Faith is basically obedience. It's the substance of things hoped for, not yet seen. You've got to do it. So I, I remember a, a Mr. North preached like I listened to, and he was saying he was saying this. He was saying, "Well, well, well, I believe," and he was saying, "No, that's not it." He said, "You've got to do it. You can't just say I believe it. That's just head knowledge. You've got to do it." Prayer's important, isn't it? Prayer's fantastic. But it's not all of it. You've got to do it. God will speak to you in prayer times. And that's where you'll hear his voice. And that's how you know what to do. <laughs> but then you've got to put one foot in front of the other. And that's what the church is here for. We're going to do it together. Amen? We're going to do it together. Now, when you get before the Lord, I don't know about this. But it can go like this. My prayers can go like this. God, you need to fix this for me. God, you need to do this for me. God, I really want this. But that can't be the full length of your prayer time with God. That's a one-way conversation. That doesn't give room for God to say to you, I want you to do this. Do say those things to God. Let your heart go to God in prayer. It's fantastic. And that's the great thing about God. You can come and you can beat your head against the table and you say, God, look at all this mess in my life. Look at all these things I need, God. But there's got to also be room in there to say, God, what are you saying to me? What is it you want me to do? 
And what we find is all these people are getting God's presence in the presence of Jesus Christ. They get given instruction. They always do. Now in prayer, they can... I don't know, anyone who's got children will maybe experience this. Okay? I've got one child who listens to what I say um, and decides that they want to change what I'm saying to something else. Do you have those ones? Yes, I'm on will. Yes, it's my daughter. I will say, well, you need to go and do this. And she will say, but Daddy, I think that we need to do da-da-da-da-da. And I don't think we should do that because I think we should do this. And she doesn't cross me, but she, she, she likes to go back and forth. And do, do you know what I mean? Yeah? And anyone who's uh, got children will know what that's like. It can be quite draining at times. And, in the, and sometimes you just give up. All right, go on then, have a biscuit. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Who can be like that? I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying. And you say, well, how have you got on with that issue? And people say, I'm still praying. And what they're saying is, well, I don't like the answer that God's given me, so I'm going to keep praying about it. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? I've been there. Pray the same thing over and over and over again. And I change God's mind. <laughs> but God is sometimes saying, I just want you to do what I'm asking you to do. And then what you'll find, don't you, don't you get really frustrated with your children when they're asking for something and you just want to say, well, just be quiet because I've got something better for you and you just don't understand. Yeah? It's really frustrating, isn't it? But yet, you just want to say, can you just listen for one minute? And yet, we are children, aren't we? When it comes to God. Oh, <clears throat> I've got these other ones. I've got these other kids. <clears throat> right? They're called boys. Okay? Uh, and that, they tend to um, hear what I'm saying, but not listen at all. Okay? So you sort of say the words, but they don't really make any connection at all with what they're thinking or anything to get into their brains or hearts at any point. Don't do that. Ugh. Yeah. Can you stop doing that, please? Can you stop doing that, please? Can you stop doing that, please? <laughs> we can be like that too, can't we? Just doing what we are doing, completely oblivious. Zoned out. And then they say things, yeah, but Dad, but Dad, I'm doing this, and I'm... Oh, and, oh but your dinner's ready. <laughs> you need to eat. And God, some of us can be like that. I can be like that. Just blindly, obliviously going about what I think is important. And God is saying, come on, come to me. Now God might be saying, God might be speaking all sorts of things to you this morning, into your life. It could be a whole range of things. Okay? So doing it could mean a million different things to a million different people. Those things, it, it could be that God is saying to you, 
I want you to go to India. Or he could say, I want you to go next door. Okay? He could be sending you. He could be saying all sorts of things. He could be saying, I want you to be reading your Bible. And I want you to be praying. And we say, well, yes, and that's good, and, but I need to get to work, and I need sleep. And it's my battle anyway. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? What, what, God's, what do it means to you might be something different to somebody else. It could be God is saying, offer to pray for someone. Step out. could say, you should invite that person over. You should invite that person over to your house. It's just a little knocking in your heart. And you can ignore it. Or you can do it. could say, go and talk to someone. Go and talk to that person. could say this, go and give. I want you to give. could be this. I want you to give up. When you give up something. That's where we're up to this morning. Keep it simple. You know, it's, e- it's easy to uh, overthink things with God. It's easy to worry about stuff with God. It's easy to worry about life, isn't it? But Jesus is simple. And we've got to keep it simple. Put one foot in front of the other. Just do what he's asking you to do. Just be obedient. Simple. And it, do you know what? It will revolutionise your life. You don't got to worry about everything. You don't got to worry about tomorrow. Let's go worry about the next step. And so much of our time can be spent just angst, wound up about what might happen. Amen. And you know what? Satan, he'll always be sitting there and always say what he always says. Is that really God speaking to you? Is that really? Did he really say that? Or is that just you? Is that just in your head? Don't do that. So when you feel that knocking on your heart, this is the thing I want to say, just do it. Just go for it. Easiest way to find out if it was the right thing or the wrong thing is if you do it. (laughs) Okay? And if it wasn't the right thing, God knows, he loves you, he knows your heart, and you'll learn from it. And if it's the right thing, you'll be like, Amen! I did it! And then next time, your faith will be built. But either way, you would have learned something. Now, if you don't do it, you're just left wondering whether it was or whether it wasn't. Or maybe somebody else does it and you think, oh, I wish I'd done it. <laughs> Amen. So, let's, should we just have a few minutes of just praying? Let's think, about, think about what the Lord is saying to you. You know, the Spirit will guide you. You know, I don't need to tell you what God is telling you to do. Because he'll tell you. Amen.